Hi, everyone. You're listening to Shoot Your Shot, Episode 6, A Shot Across the Border. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Shoot Your Shot. This is Arnaldo, your host with my co-host, Alan, down in San Luis Potosí. Alan, it's been a while. How are you? Yeah, it, it has been a while. It's been a couple of weeks since we had the pleasure of having a, a show together. I've been very well. Thanks very much. I was actually on vacation for about a week and a half. I was up in Toronto, Canada. So uh, that was lovely. It's always nice to visit family. But now I'm back home in San Luis and happy to be back. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Alan. A lot of different things going on in my life at the moment. Very excited about a lot of changes. And as always, it's a pleasure to talk about soccer, something that I enjoy. And you enjoy, of course. So let's get the show on the road. Sounds fantastic. Okay. And so we do have a little bit of a different format. Maybe we should talk about that off the top. Yeah, definitely. So we're doing now a bi-weekly show. We're moving from a weekly show, obviously, because of uh, our conflicts of schedules of being in different countries and work-related stuff. So we're moving now to two weeks, and we're no longer going to be on the radio. We're going independent uh, with this project. Uh, Alan and I just have decided to move uh, in a different direction from the radio. So we're very grateful for 12 on Sports Radio for giving us the opportunity to get on on the radio station. Very great opportunity. A lot of things that we learned. So very awesome experience. Ain't that right, Alan? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So thanks to everyone. Thanks to Jeff, especially at 12 Ounce Sports Radio. It was a pleasure. All the interactions we had with you guys was absolutely fantastic. But just because we want a little bit more control over our, perhaps our content, uh, perhaps our timing, things like that, our editing times, all of those, those logistical things that live radio doesn't allow us. So we've we've decided to go a different way. But once again, as my friend Arnaldo has said, thanks to all you guys at 12 Ounce Sports Radio. We really, really appreciate it. And with that said, Arnaldo, let's get into today's show, which is going to be a little bit different because we have a fabulous guest that's going to be joining us a little bit later, who is known as one of the leaders, is a very professional person when it comes to English language media content of Liga MX. And her name is Miss Kim Tate, and she is working with Orlegi Sports. And she, or, well, her title is International Communication and Editorial Strategist for Orlegi Sports. If you're unaware of who Orlegi Sports are, they actually are a conglomerate. And on the sports side of things, they are the owners of Club Santos, Tampico Madero Football Club, the Jaiba Brava, a name that I love, and of course, you may know that recently, this year, they purchased Atlas as well. So there's going to be a lot of things for Atlas in the future. They're trying to model Atlas as they have Santos. So she's going to be joining us a little bit later, and we're going to be getting, getting into the English language content or lack thereof over the internet, over the airwaves regarding the Mexican Football League. Definitely, Alan. we got to... Full show today. So why don't we start a little bit about talking about the Liga MX coverage in English. You know, what would it look like if there was a, a bigger expansion or an actual expansion on English coverage for the Liga MX? What are some benefits that the Liga MX could, you know, receive from all this being in Mexico and receiving a lot of their money from the U.S.? That's something that it always has been in my head that 
the, the federation or the, or the league has not exploited or made a bigger uh, deal in order to uh, profit more and spread out their league in a different way. You bring up an excellent point. Finance is always number one on most people's list. Liga MX, they receive 40% of all their income from the United States of America. It makes absolute financial sense to, to increase the English language content of their league. 40% is a huge number, and they're not even trying. They're just sort of resting on their laurels. Now, you will hear critics who will say that the only teams that move the needle are Chivas and America. You see the numbers. I think their most recent uh, Super Classico had about 2 million viewers in the U.S., English-Spanish combined. Now, nobody's going to argue that those two teams are the big draws. You know, but if we look a little further down the road and if we try to, you know, kind of think outside the box, we have the World Cup, which is going to, which is going to be divided by three countries and it's coming up in 2026. Okay. So if we're looking at that as sort of a, a time marker, as something that needs to be done before that time, Liga MX, Liga BBVA MX, I should say really needs to get on board and not just suggest things. They need to force the issue with their member clubs. They really do. You know what I mean? So my question is, why won't the league get on board and force the issue with member teams? Because very few teams have English language social media sites at present. So what's your opinion? Why, why won't the league force the issue? I think, honestly, it's something that they haven't figured out quite yet to uh, expand on. I think that you, I think one of the points that you made is great. It's like they're benefiting a lot of, or a lot of money's coming in from the United States without them doing a single thing. So in my eyes, being a Mexican-American here in the States, is that why would the league change something if it works for them? You know, if it's not broken, don't, don't fix it. The issue that I have with it, Alan, is that, you know, there's a lot of people unlike me that, you know, grew up in a home where Spanish and English was being spoken. There's a lot of cases now of, you know, kids, you know, from my prior experience of uh, coaching high school soccer is that a lot of these kids don't speak very much Spanish at home, but they love the sport because they're, they watched it as a kid. They might not be as developed with the, with the language where it doesn't really matter if you actually listen to the guys the play-by-plays and the commentators calling the game. So but the passion is still there. So why would we not take advantage of these kids and the rapid expansion of social media and the growth of technology with these, with these kids and these generations, you know, moving forward with the, with these teams having social media accounts, English websites in order to, make their team make that jump and make that international jump in this case in the United States. Some teams are already, already doing it more than others. Some are doing it in a, in a smaller regard, but they're still doing it. And that's, you you know, I'm sure you're going to tell us a little bit about these teams, but it's just, it's a really annoying point for me just because I know that there's so many people here wanting to get involved with soccer. There's a lot of my friends that did not watch soccer, but because of my, drive and passion and you know the the fact that I don't want to miss a soccer game on a Saturday when Tigres is playing at home especially at home you know they're willing to tag along and watch the game with me and that's not even their sport but how do we get these guys to follow the sport if the English language is not even being offered to them and if we look at the first generation 
immigrant who's in the United States for with a Spanish heritage, Mexican heritage, where Spanish is their first language. Now they're going to watch it. They're going to prefer to watch it in Spanish. But then as we could further down the line, the second generation, they're going to be bilingual. But what about the third generation? You know, football is the world sport. It's not going to stop being that regardless. You know, soccer is growing in the U.S. Now, people would argue as well that the MLS will change their schedule based on the NFL. But I can tell you that recently, going head-to-head against the NFL, I'm going to give you the number here right now, half a million viewers watched a Pumas game at 12 o'clock. Pumas, incredible. Half a million. Pumas Santos, 511,000 people, and that's going head-to-head against the NFL. Right, So it's not a matter of having to reorganize soccer in the U.S. to not compete against Major League Baseball, NFL, things like that. It's just a matter of becoming a little more proactive and valuing what you have. Because these second and third generation, uh, the children of these immigrants, they're not going to stop loving football. And because it's like, for me, for example, I mean, I have no affiliation with Wisconsin. But my father liked the Green Bay Packers. That's who I, that's who I cheer for. You know, rationally, irrationally, that's who I cheer for just because that was my father's team. You know what I mean? Alternatively, you might cheer whoever your father father's team might have hated. You know what I mean? But you don't lose that interest in the sport, but the language will change. And that's what we're going to see, actually. So regarding the people, once again, who say that it's only American Chivas that move the needle, I'm very sorry. The numbers don't back that up. Now, it is going to take time. We do have the 2026 World Cup coming up. That is a marker that needs to be watched, okay? But it's not just those two big teams. For example, uh, Atlas Carretero drew close to 300,000 people. Leon Atlas, over 300,000 people. Cruz Azul Monterrey, 368,000 people, okay? And then we get uh, Pachuca Cruz Azul, half a million people. Pachuca against Cruz Azul, half a million people in the U.S. Watch that. So, Alan, you know, one of those things that shocks me there and I'm just, it makes me very happy and makes me very proud. You know, you look at these lists of uh, viewership in the United States and there's some Mexican league, Liga MX Femenil games that have a higher viewership uh, viewer rate than some of these European teams that are playing. So, I, you know, it's one of the things that I see a lot on social media, uh, on Twitter and whatnot is that, you know, there's a lot of people that criticize people that run fan accounts for uh, teams in, in, in America or, you know, in, with English presence that, you know, people say that we're doing it as hobbyists and whatnot. We're doing the, the job of the, the teams and we're doing this and we're getting criticized, you know, and I'm including myself in that just because I'm willing to spread awareness of the Liga MX here in the United States and just soccer in general. And some of those people that I see just criticizing, I'm just like, what are you not getting? Like, what are you not getting that this is a growing sport? And it's a growing sport here in America when you have the face of the MLS, not an American player, not an international player from overseas, but a Mexican player who destroyed the league historically with individual stats and team stats. And won the MVP. How do you not take advantage of all those viewers who are seeing Carlos Vela as a first generation, second generation, and possibly a third generation 
kid or, 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 or adult as the face of a league in the United States, a league that, in theory, is covering in English. How is that possible? Completely agree. I'm going to mention two more things because our guest is going to be with us very shortly. And I want you to help me with this name. Although I am bilingual, this name always kills me. Double R's in Spanish just kill me. So the president of the administration group of Grupo Orlegi, his name is, his last name, well, is Alejandro Irarro. Irragori. I can never say it. You know, you could pay me a million dollars, I'd still mess it up. I still would. So he was actually at a national, um, international conference, and he was mentioning the challenge, the, the fight to make an impact in world football. And specifically speaking, he was at a conference with Atlanta United, as well as a couple of smaller teams, Brighton Hove Albion from the English Premiership, who are not well known, but they happen to be a Premiership team. And he mentioned two major problems. The first thing he said is that, like I mentioned earlier, 40% of the income comes from the states, so they have a natural market that's not fully being taken advantage of. We've mentioned that. The second reason, he said, and it's, it's that they're selling their television rights team by team rather than as a league. And that's what makes the America Chivas factor of them controlling everything, perhaps, as a problem. You need to start selling it, selling it as a whole. And it's a very interesting prospect to see that uh, DAZN has got the rights for Liga MX in Brazil. And it's the whole league. So it's not team by team. It took, it took Santos, and I'm sure uh, uh, Kim is going to tell us about this. It took them 10 years to get out of that terrible deal with TV Azteca. And they could do absolutely nothing about it. So that's what he was mentioning during um, this conference that he was one of the speakers at. And the last thing I'll mention before we get to Kim is some of the numbers we have. The teams that actually do have Liga MX, uh, Liga MX teams with English social media presence. Okay, now, of course, you've got America. America's English account has been going for three years. They have 73,000 followers. Of course, that dwarfs their three or four million Spanish, but that dwarfs the Dallas Cowboys. You know, we're talking apples and oranges here. So 73,000 is still a market. Mm -hmm. We have Santos, who have three years and 10 months, and they are now at 31,000 followers. We have Tijuana, of course, again, natural market. They were one of the first ones, but it's been very, very slow to start for them. And they're at 21,000 followers. So those were the first three teams. Atlas has done it uh, just two months ago. As a matter of fact, they are just beginning. And that has absolutely everything to do that they are now part of the Orlegi conglomerate. They're part of Santos's uh, uh, ownership group. So we're going to see the Atlas English content expand exponentially. And finally, we have Leon, who has now official, they've got their blue check mark. They've also been doing it for eight weeks as well. So we've got Leon, Tijuana, Santos, America, and Atlas. Those are the teams we have right now. So there's nothing more to do than to grow. The real question is the other, well, we have five teams. So the other 14 teams, what are they waiting for? Because even having 20,000 followers, 30,000 followers, 100,000 followers, I mean, that's a market you can't, you can't deny. And it's only going to expand as we get closer to the World Cup. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to be talking with Kim Tate from 
or Leggy Sports. We'll be back in a moment. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Shoot Your Shot. I'm your host, Arnaldo, with my co-host here, Alan. And we got our special guest that we've been waiting for, Ms. Kim Tate. Kim is the International Communication and Editorial Strategist for Orlegi Sports. Hi, Kim. How are you? Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for, thanks for the interest. We really appreciate it. Uh, Kim, thank you very much again. I repeat what Arnaldo said. Thanks for spending some time with us. We'd love to get into what you're doing with Orleggi Sports right now. I don't know. Is there anything that Arnaldo missed in his quick introduction? Is there something you'd like to add? I know a lot of our viewers know about you and what you're doing uh, with Orleggi Sports Conglomerate, but uh, maybe you could uh, expand a little bit on your role, some of your objectives, and maybe your, you know, what you're doing with uh, Orleggi these days. Sure. Um, well, I've been in Torreon now for five years. I started off with Santos in, um, in 2015, which is when we launched the English language account. It was the second official English language account in the Mexican League. Um, and just recently, um, I've taken on a bigger role with Orlegi now that, um, now that it has Atlas. Um, and Orlegi is the parent company for Santos Atlas and Tampico Marero, which is located in the city of Tampico. Um, in the Ascenso. And our main objective in my area is to basically open doors outside of Mexico. Um, we want to increase and especially enhance the presence of both Orlegi as a company and um, especially its clubs on an international level where communicating in English nowadays isn't just um, a luxury, it's, it's a necessity. You absolutely need it to be able to effectively communicate with business leaders, um, other colleagues, to be able to recruit opportunities and basically just to survive and, and keep evolving. So that's that's sort of our goal within mm -hmm. the institution. Um, we've had it very well laid out with Santos over the last five years, and we've just gotten the ball rolling with Atlas. So, um, you know, it's one step at a time, but it's been it's been great. Fantastic. Uh, one kind of exception might be with the Ascenso. You mentioned Tampico Madero. How would they fit in as an Ascenso team into sort of the overall goal or overall plan that Orlegi has? Well, Orlegi is an extremely forward-thinking company. Every single one of its leaders on the board of directors has accomplished something um, great in their professional careers and all of it has to do with really breaking the mold and being disruptive and doing something different. And so I think, you know, which falling in line with our strategy, I think that having English language outreach for an Ascenso club could be really interesting. I know that Tampico has a lot of history, a lot of very rich history that most people don't know about. And taking into account that there is a general interest across the border in not only Liga MX, but I think Mexican football in general, tapping into that history in a language and in a form of communicating where people will understand it um, could be very valuable. 
Yeah, definitely. One of the things you mentioned, uh, we were talking about actually before you came on was the cross border numbers, for example, a lot of people can believe that it's simply America and Chivas that sort of move the needle when it <laughs> comes to viewership. But we were looking recently at some of the numbers and even going up against the NFL the 1 p.m. games in the NFL, uh, you know, it, Pumas was drawing over half a million viewers, you know. And so when it comes to first generation, perhaps they're only interested in Spanish, but, but these kids, you know, their kids and the kids of their kids, second, third generation, they're going to grow up, you know, following these teams, but they're going to grow, grow up in English. And so I think Arnaldo and I, we've been pushing through this podcast, through our radio show, through the writing that we do, um, to to try to find out why bilingualism and Liga MX has sort of taken this kind of slow path towards where it needs to go. Uh, maybe you could tell us your view on that. Sure. Um, that's a really good point that you make about, you know, the second and third generation or the next generation coming into the mix. Um, being maybe less, uh, speaking less Spanish as their native language and more English just because their friends speak English or that's the primary language in school. Um, you know, their parents speak Spanish, their grandparents speak Spanish, but really they're living their everyday lives thinking and communicating in English. When we first launched the English language account in 2015, it was initially basically a mirror of the Spanish language account. Um, you know, we were posting the same type of content, the same types of photos, the same types of videos that all basically communicated the same message. But, you know, within the copy of, of each message was English versus Spanish, no? Um, and then, of course, the obvious is targeting our fans and, and the media in the United States and offering something a little bit different. But nowadays... It's not just about English versus Spanish. It's about the personality, you know, and I, and I talk in reference to the, the, the accounts that we have um, and the English versus Spanish language accounts now that we're seeing. I think, you know, over the last few years, um, it's been sort of the standard as teams start to realize the importance of English language communication, that they create the account, they communicate in English, and they see the numbers go up and they see the interaction and that's great. But we want to think about the evolution of this, no? And you made a really good point about the next generation coming through that is predominantly going to speak in English. And the next generation after that, where their parents are maybe of Mexican descent, but because they grew up speaking English, now these kids are only going to, to think and speak in English. So it's not just about the, the exact translation. I think for us, it's really important to show personality and it's very important for us to be able to connect with people. It's very important for them to be able to understand and to be able to relate to us. I think it's really cool that a fan in the United States can follow a Spanish language and English language account and have two completely different ways to identify with their team not only in both languages that they speak, but the personality behind the account and the different types of, of outreach that each account is trying to achieve. And so I think, you know, if more teams are going to jump on the English language uh, Mexican soccer bandwagon, they have to remember it's not just about 
English versus Spanish. You, you have to create a connection in both languages and it becomes more of a cultural thing. So it's an investment. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, it's time consuming. It's, it's not, you know, a lot of people think that you can just get behind a computer and, and translate the copy and post a photo and, and there you go. Um, no, it's, it's, you know, it's communicating with an actual culture. Um, right. and so we, we truly believe that it's very important to be able to create that connection, that cultural connection, um, with our fans across the border. And, you know, we share Mexico and the United States share the longest border, I, I think in the world, you know, almost 2000 miles, um, you know, both countries are huge. There's a lot that we can, there's a lot that we can do together. And I think that, you know, seeing that synergy um, starting out with Mexican football is, is very encouraging for the future. Okay. That's right. awesome. Mm-hmm. Kim, I wanted to follow up with two questions. My first question goes back to Tampico Madero. You know, you mentioned, you know, they are in the ascenso. My first question is do they meet the requirements to possibly be in the uh, first division um, just because I know in previous years there was only about six or seven teams from Ascenso that met the requirements in order to make that jump to uh, the first division are you guys uh, on path if it's possible with you know obviously performances and matches is that something that you guys are looking towards the future you know that's a question that's sort of out of my area of expertise um, okay. you have to st- our director of football or somebody that's more involved on the on the sporting side with that okay cool and so you talked about you know everything about laying the groundwork and what you guys have been doing with Orlegi sports so my question is you know recently Alejandro Irraragorri was uh-huh. at a convention and he spoke about the the revenue uh, that the Liga MX gets from it's about maybe what Alan 40 percent we discussed it was, yeah. He confirmed. He was at the the. It was, I believe it was in in London with a few other teams, and he referenced forty percent of league MX revenue is from north of uh, the border. Yeah, is from the United States. So, what are some things that you have seen as far as some of the support or some of the resistance you you've seen around other uh, Mexican league teams as far as providing more content and expanding to you know north of the border. I'm sorry, can you repeat that? I, I didn't quite hear you. Yes, I was just mentioning um, that, you know, after what Alan said about the 40% revenue system, uh, revenue that we're getting from the north uh, of the border within America and the revenue that's coming in, what are some support and some of the resistance you guys have, you know, encountered as far as, you know, getting the league to, you know, follow Orlegi's uh, model of improving, you know, that English content or expanding on that? Um, again, I think you guys are kind of veering off of, of my area of expertise when you talk about uh, revenue generation. But what I can tell you is that, um, I mean, with regard to support and resistance, is that it's a very interesting subject. Um, I think I'd have to dive in a little bit deeper to provide a little bit more context. Um, we're an organization that thinks big picture, and you have to consider all of the potential that there is in our industry between Mexico and the USA. Um, you know, as I just mentioned, we share a very, very large border and we know that thanks to studies put out there by, you know, Nielsen, I think Univision sends out their own stats, um, and other industries with with high credibility that 
Liga MX is the number one watched soccer league among soccer fans in the USA. Um, so we know that much. Then you take into account the demand for the high demand for digital content and how that digital content is being consumed among sports fans and not just the fans, it's the media industry influencers and even brands and potential commercial partners that are looking for ways to invest. Um, and then lastly, we consider how we want to deliver uh, the content that we generate to them. And I think each category of the groups that I just mentioned will be attracted to a different type of publication, a different type of post, a different video, a uh, different, you know, design or banner or message. And, and there are people out there who understand this. There are people who, who support it. And I think that fans, um, as I said before, I think that the fans who speak both languages will appreciate that they have two different voices, um, you know, or two different channels of their favorite clubs that they can sort of identify with. And that's a very big positive. Another one is the media who don't speak Spanish and are interested in the Mexican league for whatever reason. Maybe they're just interested or maybe there's a player that they're following. Or, you know, we see it every year when Mexican teams battle MLS teams in CONCACAF Champions League and the American media want to know more about the MLS rivals. Um, now, those reporters have a place to go for information that they can understand and consume rapidly. And that's very useful. And it's not only useful for them, but it's good publicity for the club because now their club is, is, is getting put out there, no, on a different platform in a different environment. And so, um, you know, for me, I think that that's one that people sort of don't consider and, you know, working on both sides of it, you know, I, not only in content, but in also media relations. That's something for me that is extremely useful. Right. Um, who's the other one that I mentioned? Ah, potential commercial partners or brands will be extremely happy to know that through the club, their information will resonate along a bigger audience, a more expanded audience, an international audience. And I think it goes without saying that that's attractive to them for obvious reasons. Um, at Santos, we've had the Spanish and English language for, for five years, as I mentioned, and, and we're gradually growing the base with um, mainly positive interaction and appreciation from fans and the international media. Um, MLS has been extremely supportive of the idea. Um, I know that's sort of a random one, but you know, as I mentioned, we've had to face different MLS teams in CONCACAF and, and our accounts can interact with each other. Um, you know, their, their club personnel can get information just by logging onto our English language account and seeing what's going on. Um, we've also exchanged ideas with the league and, and different teams because I think there's a common understanding with regard to our fans, our respective fans who consume the content in two languages. And to answer your question about the league, about the Mexican league, I think that there is a general understanding and appreciation for that effort. I mean, there's a presence now um, in international forums. I know that uh, the Liga MX president and, and some of their representatives have been going over to Europe and they've been participating in those conferences. And, and so there's a genuine interest there. But as I mentioned, this is a lot more important. I mean, the importance of it um, carries a responsibility that goes beyond just hiring uh, one person to translate posts and stick them out on social media. No, 
It's, it's an investment. You really have to take time to do it. It's a whole other position. It's a position that for me um, should be a whole department with a whole team of personnel. And that's what I think we're trying to grow here at Orlegi. Um, I can tell you that when we first introduced the idea internally, it, it was welcomed and eventually considered cool, you know, to see different international personalities and, and media jump on the English language band, uh, bandwagon. But along the way, and I think on a deeper level, our teammates within the company and, and our colleagues within the league have begun to see the real value that it has brought to us, not only as, as a club, but as an ownership group, um, as an institution. As I mentioned, our colleagues in the league are starting to see firsthand, um, you know, because we, we speak and exchange ideas. Um, and now they actually feel like they're part of something bigger, you know, than what they've only known in Mexico up until now. It's like they're part of a movement. Um, more of a changing of the times and seeing that international success is, is huge for them because now they can go on and say, you know, in my professional career, I had a hand in generating, you know, importance and value on an international level. And I think that that is, that is huge. And, and I'm really happy to see that the players also now understand that the exposition for them is better for them and, and their profiles. And unfortunately, there are some out there who don't understand these concepts. They simply don't agree with it. Um, they don't see the reason behind it. They think it's stupid. And that's okay. It just means that it doesn't really interest them to have content in another language and, and it's not theirs. And, and that's fine. I mean, we see comments every now and then, you know, from users on social media aimed at, uh, you know, spouting negativity. But they're very few. And I think that the support far outweighs the opposition at this point. Yeah, I, I definitely would agree with that last point you mentioned there, Kim, about the positivity. Um, one thing I would like to mention, uh, actually, to follow up on what you mentioned was uh, make, making connections. There's actually a story between my hometown team and Santos. It was four years ago. I'm actually from Glasgow, uh, Glasgow, Scotland, and there was a partnership made between Glasgow Celtic and Club Santos. And we happened to share um, a player, Mark Krosas, uh -huh. actually, right, played played for both teams. And so whenever Celtic happened to do well, he would get on social media from the from his account, you know, tagging Santos, and vice versa. Celtic fans would do the same thing whenever Club Santos you know, would do that. And it sort of created this, this strange effect that when I go back home to Scotland or to visit my, my extended family in Scotland, they ask me about Santos now. You know what I mean? Just, you know, yeah. not, not, they're not intensely involved in the league because the, you know, the league is not easily accessible in that country yet. But it's, yeah. that, it's that kind of thing that is going to bring the bridges together. And it's just one example of what you said about how, you know, a player, even just a player, one single player can create that connection, you know, via language, via social media. So I wanted to ask you maybe, uh, maybe just one or two more questions because you've been very, very um, um, gracious with your time. Do you no, see... <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Do you see, because we are talking about the U.S. a lot, do you see in your heart of hearts that the Liga MX is going to be a regional league, you know, like it will be a North American league, or do you think it can become a global league one day? I absolutely think that it can be, um, that it can become a globally attractive league, um, not only for its competitive nature and the quality of play, 
uh, our, actually our coach just uh, just gave an interview and he said that he would consider it, you know, one of the top four or five in the world because it's an attractive league. Um, any team can beat any other team. You know, there's not, there's a lot of parity between all of the teams. And so that makes for something very exciting to watch. And I think, um, I think MLS has done an exquisite job of sort of setting the bar very high for how they sell themselves, how they sell their product. Um, you know, how they package their TV rights as, as a league deal instead of team by team. And so I think, you know, that, that could be a possible, um, path forward for the league, um, to start maybe generating a little bit more interest outside of the, of the United States. Um, I know MLS has done some stuff over in Europe and they've opened a lot of doors for themselves. I think Liga MX absolutely has that, um, that potential. And I know that they have, like I said, they, they attend conferences in Europe. I know that they're, you know, they're opening doors in, in different areas to know more people in the, in the sports business world. So I know that they're taking a very serious approach to wanting um, a little bit more exposure outside of the region. Um, so I know that we, that they take the subject very seriously. And I imagine that it's only a matter of time before we see growth beyond what's already been done in, in the USA, if you know, we're talking outside of Mexico. Um, I also think that, you know, teams like Chivas, uh, even, um, you know, some of the North, some the, the two other Northern teams, Tigres and Monterrey, they have a huge following in the United States. And we know this because we've seen it firsthand when we go to play them over there. And, I think America has set a really great example of how fast the need can be welcomed. And I personally think that we as a society sort of operate on the notion of, well, if so-and-so is doing it, you know, then it must be legit. Um, so for me, it would be a step in the right direction if, you know, Chivas, um, you know, would start to make that effort or, you know, Tigres and America. Um, you know, I think if we were to see more teams jump on, on the bandwagon and make the investment, then, um, you know, it would be a huge positive for the league as well. Right, and I, right. And I think that's that's actually going to be happening, in my opinion. I think that because everything that you guys have accomplished so far, and you guys are the talk of the league, whether it's on the on the pitch, you know, with your players or, you know, your, your uh, front office staff, everyone looks at Santos as a model to follow as far as, you know, how the organization or the club is ran because you guys have done that to establish yourself and be that presence that no one else is willing to tap into. So congratulations on that. Thank you. That's, that's really great to hear. I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it has a lot to do with, um, with how Santos has been structured. Um, you know, when Orlegi took over in 2013, um, well, I actually, it goes, it goes farther back because when Alejandro became involved with Santos, Alejandro is now the, the, the president of Orlegi. Orlegi Sports. He was the president of Santos for a very long time. When he came on board in 2006, 2007, the team was fighting relegation. You know, they almost went down. Um, and then the following year, they won the league title. And since then, they've won an average of one, one title every three years. One every, I think, four years now in the last, uh, well, since Orlegi bought Santos and became the sole owner. Um, and Orlegi is, is a company that is very different and I think it's very important because it genuinely believes in the creation of value 
um, for everybody involved. It's not just trying to win titles. You know, Alejandro's gone on record many times and he said, we're not obsessed with winning titles. We're obsessed with the process. Um, you know, like I said, they believe in the creation of value for everyone involved. You know, it's assets, um, you know, the clubs, Atlas Santos, Tampico, the stadiums, um, it's partners, the people who come in and, and consume and invest their, their emotions in these teams. Um, and so I think that that has a lot to do with it. You know, we've got a social responsibility program too. Um, it started with Santos, Guerreros de Corazón. It's been in place for 12 years. And, and since Orlegi has, um, has taken control of Atlas and Tampico, we've implemented that same uh, social responsibility program um, as sort of like a, like a standard way of operating. No, they put public service and serving the community at the forefront of everything that they do. Um, it's worked in communities throughout Mexico and the United States. Um, to make sure that it's not just about winning games, but we want to do things that are different. We want to attract, um, you know, existing fans and make them really feel identified with us. But also by adding value and creating value, we want to create more fans. Um, and so, you know, the goal is to, to sort of through all of our clubs, um, you know, improve the quality of life and, and inflict positive social change apart from from the business aspect um with that idea you know orleggi really wants to sort of leave a footprint in every city that it that it plays in or, or that it visits um you know whether it's santos playing in mexico or in the united states or atlas playing in santos i mean playing in in mexico or in the united states and, and tampico has done a lot of work in its own community um you know to really improve things around there so um, you know, the social response, I know that's something that we haven't really talked about, but the social responsibility aspect has actually played a huge role in who we are as people <laughs> and, and, and the quality of people that Orlegi has working for it. I think that makes it, um, that much better. And so, you know, to know and, and to hear that feedback from, from people is, is really rewarding because it means that, you know, we're doing something right and, and that we're making an impact on society. And that's what, for us, it's all about. Certainly. You know something, Kim, if I'm sitting here listening to this and I'm an Atlas fan, this is exactly what I'm going to be wanting to hear. Uh, this is going to be music to their ears, uh, seeing a team that has, you know, built the foundation that has um, instilled values, uh, grassroots values in the community, you know, in the infrastructure uh, from the no, I'm losing my English. Fuerzas Básicas, the, uh, yeah. you know, the, yeah, the youth team, thanks a lot, right? Having great transfer policies, all of these connections that, that Santos has made going back from 2013. You mentioned it's not about titles, I mean, but you're always there. I think you've only missed the Ligia, I think maybe three times, perhaps, in since 2013. So if I'm an Atlas fan, and I've been taken over by by your company. Uh, this is absolutely fantastic news. So they're going to be over the moon with uh, ownership that has such vision, uh, who are forward thinking and uh, have a track record of doing things right. So um, I, I think we, we can wrap it up here with that. I just once again, um, we covered maybe a little too much, a little broad in scope for our time. So apologies for that. But um, you have so much, uh, so many wonderful insights, Kim. And once again, on behalf of Arnold and Shoot Your Shot, I just want to thank you for spending some of your time and, of course, uh, sharing your knowledge with us and our listeners this evening. 
No, thank you guys for the interest. Um, on the contrary, it's it's really nice to to know that you know there's there's interest out there and that it's making an impact. And and you know we've got a lot of people in the organization that that are very well versed and that can offer a wealth of information. So if there's something that you know we weren't able to get into, um, you know that that I unfortunately won't be able to talk about. You know we can we can. We can introduce you to some people in other departments and, and, you know, get some other information out there for people who, you know, want to know the ins and outs of, of Mexican football, because it's not just about uh, the sport, you know, as you said, it's, it's about, you know, making an impact and, and about community in general. So, you know, you've got, you've got a friend in us, anything you guys need, anytime. Uh, no, very, we, we appreciate that very much, and, and thank you for your kind offer as well. I'm sure we can be in touch in the future because you are so active on social media that you are easily accessible. Um, whenever I contact a team, whenever I send out a tweet, it's usually Santos that are the first to respond. So so oh, thanks good. again. <laughs> uh, Arnold, uh, Arnaldo, any final comment before we finish today? I mean, just to add on, thank you so much. Very grateful for this opportunity that you gave us of your time. And, you know, I love that, you know, a lot of the things that I took uh, from these last words that you gave us was the transparency. You know, there would be a lot of uh, teams, not only in the Mexican League, but, you know, in all of the world that would be, as a fan, thrilled to have an ownership group or, you know, that is transparent for, with what they're trying to do and their vision of trying to grow not only their team, but, you know, the sport. and. It's awesome. So congratulations once again. You guys are doing Thank an you. awesome job. As a, someone that roots for a northern team like Tigres, Santos <laughs> is always a threat, not only on the pitch, but obviously as, an, or as a club and as an organization. So congratulations. What are the chances that we'll get you to switch over, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Zero, <happening>. Kim. Zero. <laughs> All right. Okay. Th thanks again for joining us and um, have a wonderful evening, Kim. We'll be in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Uh, you know, Arnold, it's just such a pleasure to have someone like Kim onto the show. She has such experience. She's been, you know, all over the league. She's been from the top to the bottom of, of the organization of Santos and Orlegi. And for her to come on and share all of her knowledge, all of her stories, all of her, her insights with us and with all of our listeners, uh, it's just such a treat. And I really look forward to having more guests like her on future episodes of Shoot Your Shot. Yeah, man, Alan, that was incredible. So much information, so much to learn and, you know, grateful for this opportunity we received from Kim to come on to our show. And like you mentioned, hopefully moving towards the future, um, we have people like her that are willing to increase that awareness of English content and bilingualism in soccer in U US and Mexico. So thanks. Definitely. Now she did um, mention quite a few teams that she was looking forward to hoping that they might you know, um, take a, take the next step. You know, she did mention a couple of the uh, teams by name, but maybe just to end the show, we could, we could take a quick look ourselves at, at some other possible teams that might be interested in doing something like this. So maybe we can do this to, to just wrap it up because I think today's show speaks for itself, uh, with such a, a high caliber guest like Miss Kim Tate. Um, she mentioned Chivas as having no account, um, but they do have the infrastructure. She also mentioned, um, a team like we, we talked about the big four, right? Pumas, Cruz Azul, and America. America are the only ones doing it, and they are actually kind of a game changer opening up an office 
in New York, I believe it is. So that might spur on Chivas to kind of not fall too far behind them, do you think? Maybe, possibly, Alan, but it's kind of like the story that we've seen in recent years. You know, out of the big four, who's the one that stands apart? Club America. So it doesn't surprise me there that they have, they're opening up offices in New York. And, you know, what would it take for Chivas to actually seize that opportunity as they are the, the team of the, of the Pueblo or the team of, you know, of the, of the people as far as what Mexicans are, are represented by this team by only playing uh, and fielding Mexican players. So why not take advantage of the opportunity if you already have that market in Mexico and the United States where you have a large following? So I hope they take advantage of, of that. Other teams, man, Juarez could be a natural market. Uh, just because the proximity to the border, it makes sense for them to uh, have an account or at least, you know, start something there. Um, I think the other natural teams that I would look to maybe participating are the other two teams from the north. Uh, and I think maybe Kim touches it up a little bit as far as Tigres and Monterrey. You know, they're present in Texas. They're always, you know, playing in Texas, whether it's Dallas or Houston, sometimes San Antonio. So I think that they are naturally the next uh, teams that could follow up. Do you think any other teams could possibly follow along that trend? Uh, well, one thing I think is that um, you might not, I don't know if you saw the stats today, but the, first of all, the, the growth figures, now I'm talking about Spanish social media right now, America and Chivas were one and two, but can you believe that Puebla was third in growth rate, the amount of uh, new followers? They have an amazing community manager over in Puebla. So they seem to be doing things that um, other teams aren't. Uh, they're punching far above their weight. They had, I believe, 23,000 new followers um, in this season. Whereas, for example, it was almost the same as Chivas, as a matter of fact. So I think they've got someone good at the helm in Puebla, kind of a dark horse underdog, because they are, they're growing at the same rate, almost the same rate as Chivas. Uh, and I and mm-hmm. I think that's something that Kim uh, mentioned as well is that, you know, you kind of got to cater to your audience. And I think that Puebla does it. It's doing this in Spanish is how it's growing its audience. But just because, you know, they're funny, they're, you know, they're witty and how they interact and engage with other accounts. And it creates that interest that sometimes now you see pop up on Twitter timelines. It's like, you see a Puebla respond back to another team or, you know, talking smack or whatever. And like, if you like it or don't like it, it's getting the traction. So good point on that. Right. Another thing that Kim mentioned was the, the high rate of, of people who speak English in Torreon. And I think you can look to cities where that is also true, where there's a lot of foreign investment. Cities like Querétaro, for example, there's an awful lot of industry there. There's an awful lot of foreign people there. You know, um, that, that's a team that I think may be one of the next ones to create an English language account. You've, of course, got your natural ones, you know, like the, like you mentioned, Juarez. They're just close. You know, you can see the United States from the stadium, basically, you know. But I, I don't think the, the big four are going to be the ones to lead this. I think it's going to be innovative community managers and, like Kim said, forward-thinking people that are looking at value on all levels and are not going to rest on their laurels. So it's really going to be interesting to see who's the next, who's the next and who's the next, you know, who, you know, which domino is going to be the next one to fall because eventually this is going to happen. And I think that's what my, even the battle moving forward as to what team stays behind as, you know, we have the, the Cuatro Grandes or the big four and all the other teams that are growing. I think that that could be a possibility for the other teams to uh, level the, 
I guess the equilibrium of as far as being that powerful historic teams that these teams might not have that history um, of being around for so long, but they might have the more innovative, progressive uh, style of growing. So I'm for that. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of people out there like us that are trying to increase soccer awareness as, you know, we have multiple other podcasts out there that are either covering a team or focusing on the Liga MX. So plenty of stuff out there, folks, plenty of stuff uh, for you to learn and from the Mexican league in English content, you just got to be willing and open to it because it's happening, whether you're with it or not with it, there's a change coming and I'm excited for it, Alan. So am I, so am I. And I'm happy to, happy to play a small part in it as well. Even, you know, even my little contribution, you know, it makes me happy to, to see the league, uh, to get more exposure as well. And I, I totally on board with what Kim said, and I know you are too. And so I think we'll wrap it up here because we've talked about so much regarding the bilingualism of this league and the way forward. I think it's a good place to end the show. We're going to have another one coming up, of course, in two weeks' time. And as always, you can check us out on Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Spotify, all the other places you listen, you know, whenever you're listening at the gym, in the car, you know. And so you just check it out. And, of course, you can hit us up on Twitter. My Twitter handle is A underscore Liga MX. And what about yours? Our uh, Mine is A underscore Lozano 10. And you can also follow our podcast account, Shoot Your Shot 10. Fantastic. All right. Okay, everyone. Well, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I hope you enjoyed the content. And hopefully we'll be talking to you again in a couple of weeks' time. For now, everyone take care, and we'll see you soon. And don't forget to always shoot your shots.